Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 569, air date April 13th, 2020. We have a great interview coming up with Elena. How do you spell your last name? George, like the man's name. Elena George. <laughs> um, we're going live on YouTube. We have a really, really cool discussion, a necessary one, which has been at the heart of everything that... Um, I've wanted to talk about, and we have Elena George. Go ahead, Elena. So Elena, Elena's interviewed me for a podcast, and uh, this is going to be part of her podcast. Go ahead, Elena. Take it away. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's a pleasure. And first of all, I want to welcome everybody to Living in the Solution. Today we're having a really important conversation, and I think one that hasn't been talked about during this whole COVID crisis, about the doctor, and about the patient, and about our healthcare system. I wanted Dr. Uh, Shiva Ayadurai to come on. Um, he has an, just an amazing web presence. He's been doing interviews about the COVID crisis. And I actually found him when, he's, when I listened to um, a video about the, the green, about our, um, what is it, the green, oh gosh, the global warming. Um, yeah, the Paris Accords video, yeah. Correct, and it was an eye-opening experience. You know, if you think something is kind of off and it's in, the, it's in, it's giving you a twinge, and you're like, this doesn't smell right or sound right. I think people need to start listening to that voice. And Dr. Shiva has been just an amazing voice, very clear, clarion about the facts, not just emotion, but the facts about what we're dealing with. This is not something that is coming out of the blue. I think this is something that's pervading our system and. Healthcare is the last iteration, it seems, of a bureaucratic, uh, centralized, corporate-driven, top-down system that doesn't serve the individual. And I'm a doctor. I love what I do. I've been in practice for over 20 years. I'm a solo ear, nose, and throat doctor. And I've been on the front line. And we feel like we're screaming in the wilderness about how this was coming about. And the COVID situation has done some interesting things and one of the things I think that it's done is uncloak the problems of our healthcare system. We were, we've were we been driven by fear for 10 years plus. If you don't have insurance, you're not going to be able to, to live. If you, if you don't have Obamacare, you're going to die. If you don't get tested now, if you don't get a vaccine, we can't open up our country. These are all fear tactic, tactics in my opinion. And I wanted someone to come on who can shed some light and we can talk critically with some critical thinking about where we are, where we're going, and more importantly, how we can disengage ourselves from this system. In my opinion, it doesn't work unless we acquiesce and, and approve it. And I think now more of us are waking up to the fact that there's another alternative. So Dr. Shiva, I want to thank you so much for coming on my show today. It's just an honor to have you. I know how busy you are, and I really appreciate your time. Yeah, sure, Elena. I, I have people, by the way, you know, who are interested in this. You know, we're doing a live here on Instagram, and, and so we're talking not only between ourselves, but the opportunity here is because of these videos that I started doing, they've been going viral all over the world. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because fundamentally people uh, have been wanting knowledge. Uh, people are actually smart. What, what's happened is that the mainstream media and the mainstream Hollywood establishment always thinks people are stupid and it always gives them sound bites. So even, you know, on a political campaign, everyone wants to reduce stuff to a sound bite. Now we can do that. You know, our campaign is truth, freedom and health. But 
the notion that everyday people don't like long form, they don't like to listen deeply, is basically one of the ways that the establishment, the medical establishment and the establishment as a whole, tries to dumb down people. And that's why when I do my videos, I'll go for an hour, two hours, and you'll see people, 20, 100, 200,000 people, half a million people listening to them. Because my view is that if you go back to the history of humankind, the history of humankind actually like long form. You know, when I grew up as a kid in India, I'd lie in my grandmother's lap and she would tell me these amazing stories, two hours, three hours, four hours long. And it wasn't like I did not want to listen to them. You did because they were engaging. The establishment produces garbage content and then they, uh, because they have garbage, they have to reduce everything to a sound bite. So I think this podcast that we're doing right now um, is really valuable and I think it's being done in a little bit different form because we have I think probably about 40 50,000 people also listening to our conversation right now as, as it'll grow but Elena I think the, the the fundamental thing that I wanted to uh, I guess address as we start this conversation is really about the fact that MDs medical doctors and I have a lot of people I know are MDs my sister is an MD she left the field because she said she couldn't practice you know, she became a cannabis doctor. I know many people are leaving the field because they basically are victimized by big pharma medical establishment. If you truly are a caring physician, at some point, either people throw in the towel, as I've seen, they disengage or they get entrepreneurial like it seems like you have. And you decide, okay, I still have an intention to serve my patients. That's why I went into medicine. And I'm going to figure out a way to have a one-on-one -on -one relationship. And all the history of medicine actually shows there's a great field called narrative medicine. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's, there's a lot of work done on it. People listening you know, on your show or others, should, it's called narrative medicine. Narrative medicine really shows that um, health emerges from the interaction. It's not the doctor tells a patient what to do. It comes out through health emerges from the conversation, nar narration between the doctor and the healer or the healer, there is no real healer, there's a person who's supporting the healing process and the healing actually emerges from both of that in that conversation. So when my grandmother in that small village used to look, you know, when someone came to her, I mean, she created an ambiance and environment where people felt at home, right? There were different smells of incense and I mean, these may seem like minor things, right? But there is an environment they were going to see someone who actually cared about them, what we would today call bedside manners were there. And so that was, in my view, a critical, I mean, there's, they call it the placebo effect, but I think it's um, in many ways minimized the amount of positive effect that the, you know, that effect has. So I think politically, MDs, they are actually caught, they're in a tough situation because they get caught with golden handcuffs. They get imbued with this brainwashing as though they are gods, the ego comes in. And then there are MDs who come out of that, seems like yourself, who truly care and say, wait a minute, I went into medicine to heal people, to help, to be of service, and the system's not letting me do that, so I'm going to go sort of create my own methodology. And it looks like that's what you've sort of done. Um, I had no choice. Yeah. This is, this is about survival. I mean, we're all put on, in my opinion, put on this earth to, to do what, what a higher power in my vision, Jesus, God, has put me on this earth to do. Anything that thwarts that, or worse yet, makes you work against that purpose, is not healthy. And I think one of the reasons we're seeing doctors leave the profession and worst case scenario, commit suicide, 400 a year, is because wow, they're- Wow, 400 doctors possible. commit suicide a year? Yeah, they are. How many and people commit students. suicide per year in other professions? Is it the highest profession of it's suicides? It's the highest, it's the highest. I see. 
and medical students are joining that that unfortunate category because you are literally put at odds against your your being your essence your where ethical framework is being is being crushed by the system i've heard and during this and tell me if i'm correct but i've heard during this covid crisis some doctors are told if you have a a patient with multiple medical problems and they've been your patient forever you need to tell them you need you can't treat them you have to spend time on covid patients so this is a conversation that's not being had it's the patients who fall in between the cracks not the healthy folks not the people with covid 19 but the people in the middle who need health care who have chronic medical problems that are just being warehoused i can't even send a patient at this point for radiology studies and uh, fine needle aspirations because it's not emergent. I just got off the phone with a radiologist and had to argue with him with a person who has a suspicious fine needle aspiration. And he's always oh, been a year. Why do you need to do it? I said, because it's been a year and I don't know if it's gotten worse. You shouldn't be having these conversations to be an advocate for your patient. And you have this, this monolithic system who could care less. And I know this is a more medical show, but I think this is all connected. Look at how they're they're dealing with the second round of the pay the paycheck prevention or the PPP program, and they're saying they're not going to give money for the small businesses after they run out. What you know? What's your argument towards that? I mean, you, do you not have empathy for people who are trying to do the right thing? This is the same phenomenon. You have patients who need help, but oh well, so what? We're going to shut down part of the hospital. We're going to close the system. We're going to put the independent doctors out in the, you know, in the wilderness, not being able to take care of their patients. How many of us are going to survive? Yeah, I, the whole I, point of this exercise is to get rid of independent, small right. business, free-thinking people. I think you hit it on the dot. I, th I think the I think the viewers listening should understand that every time these crises occur, if and, and by the way, this occurs over and over again, right? Nine Eleven occurred. So it consolidated power to a few, and it basically eliminated a lot of people's privacy rights. Then when, if you remember the, um, the accounting fiasco took place with Anderson Consulting, remember that? Where they were yeah. cheating with Enron and all of that. Some of you may remember this. And what did that fundamentally do? That fundamentally, they started imposing what they call regulations. And those regulations fundamentally, were not regulations to monitor the, 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 the elite at the top who were actually taking advantage of these, uh, they were basically ruining the entire business model because they were cheating on their taxes and lying with accounting principles. So they said, okay, we need more regulation. So now we're gonna go after, we need to increase the auditing costs. So when I used to run one of my companies it was, you know, nine grand to do auditing. It went up to, you know, 35 grand. Same, nothing had changed because they said, oh, we need to do much more detailed accounting, auditing because of all these new rules. Well, the reality was small businesses got wiped out by regulations. And the goal is to your, to your point, Elena, is fundamentally, it's not about uh, anything to really help the public, it's about consolidating power. So most MDs who come out of medical school, they come with, with a burden of debt, they wanna start, let's say, a private practice, and it becomes virtually impossible for them to do that, given the overhead that you need to actually do that. And so most of the MDs then need to essentially go join big hospitals, big establishment. And then they get part of that process where they can't really serve patients anymore. So the entire process is rigged to basically centralize power and essentially a state-controlled medicine top-down, even though we say we're in a democracy. 
And I think this COVID crisis is being further used, in my opinion, to consolidate that power and to further promote a medieval concept of medicine, which is one size fits all. And you create enough fear that you basically, people will accede to this, to comply with this. I think one of the most important things, that's why when I put this out there, I said MDs unite, right? Destroy the medical establishment. We are at an important point that we can actually wake up to the fact that the medical establishment, which is what Fauci represents. This guy Fauci fundamentally represents a medical establishment. He's in so many ways. I mean, he represents the medical establishment, not only in the, in the way that he's an MD himself, but he's a bureaucrat. And, and he's a bureaucrat of one of the largest establishments which controls the flow of research dollars. 50% of the research dollars are in the biological sciences out of the NIH. Him and Francis Collins control that research dollars. The reason, I mean, I was on my path to being an MD and a PhD, but I couldn't do the MD thing because I just found it like I would never be able to actually heal the patient. I would have to do all this other nonsense. So I went down the engineering systems approach, you know, and was fortunate that the field of systems biology emerged. But fundamentally, the MD is essentially follows big pharma education model. That's if this, then this. And then, then when they graduate, they have to follow big insurance and big hospitals. And what we're witnessing right now is a guy like the Fire Fauci petition, by the way, which I put out, which I was mentioning to you, um, that Fire Fauci petition has close to 60,000 people in six or 10 days. And nearly five to 20, I think 10% of those people who've signed it are MDs. So we have close to, I think, 2,000 uh, MDs who've actually signed this petition. It's quite amazing. So I, I just it's, wanted to let you know about that because you're a physician and you should go up and let all your physicians know. But nearly 2,000 MDs have signed this petition to get rid of Fauci because I think the message that the medical establishment really screws over doctors, which screw over their patient, and they're basically victims. So there's most of them are taught to comply. The MD education does that. But the mm -hmm. few that have, like yourself and others, that can leave that and unite. I'm not saying everyone should do that, but the MDs that are willing to leave, if they get united, we can return back to real health. And you I know, think that's the opportunity. For me, for me, Dr. Shiva, it's all about choice and options. And we're no longer in a position where doctors are, you know, lording it over other doctors. We have politicians now in this mix. The governor of Nevada, the governor of Nevada, sorry, and the governor of Michigan you know, telling it's telling a doctor that they cannot write a prescription, that they'll have their licenses pulled, that they'll be put up on, you know, uh, disruptive physician peer review that will ruin your career based on being able to take care of your patients. We're not talking anymore about a, an ingrained hospital closed system. This is about the practice of medicine and whether or not we're going to be able to have health freedom for our patients. Now, I think you talked to really, it's important to really understand Fauci, the NIH, and that whole infrastructure. It's, it is a huge monolith, but it also has private money in it. And if I do a speech and I, I give a talk at a conference, I have to tell anybody if I'm working for another company, if I have any conflict of interest, that is not being said right now. People need to understand that. Who stands to gain and follow the money? Both of those you know, axioms need to come into play here. They're all hell-bent on a vaccine. Who stands to gain from that, right? How much money can be made if you, if you mandate a vaccine worldwide? 
who's behind that? You know what I mean? So those are the questions that people need to start asking themselves. Do we really need that? And if those numbers from the WHO don't sound, they're not bearing fruit from what they said they were going to. Most people test negative and most people recover. And the people who pass away are the same cohort of people who generally don't survive well in flu in a flu um, environment. So we're not talking right. about so, so you brought up, of people. You brought up something very interesting. So by the way, um, uh, Elena, uh, you went to MD school, right? And you did your specialty in ear, ear, and, no, ear and throat? Yeah, ear and yeah, throat. Ear so, and throat. So what's interesting is... For right, so what's interesting is the typical MD that comes through that training, and that's why I want to f- find out you know, your journey, which seems to be a little bit different, okay? And it may mm-hmm. be because uh, of your background and where you came from, you know, um, from the struggles you went through. Uh, but the typical MD is taught that the immune system, or essentially the infectious disease model of all diseases, that microbes and viruses, uh, these are the core of creating every disease. And it's been an interesting journey in medicine where this journey has been recurring. It goes ups and downs. People figure out the scam and people drop it. But the whole notion of um, that, me- that everything is caused by a virus or a microbe has been something that's been recurring mm-hmm. in medicine. You know, scurvy, pellagra, these things were always blamed on some virus. It's almost like indicting um, somebody who didn't commit the crime. And then people figure it out, it goes away, but there's been an interesting cycle of always putting everything on the germ theory, everything mm-hmm. on viruses. So even as people figured that out and it waned after polio, then all those virus hunters were looking for the next thing. Then they said cancer, that retroviruses cause cancer. Even Peter Duisberg, who was a guy who first found the first oncogene, uh, he even said that he, dis- he, he even said that this doesn't make any sense, the discoverer of the first oncogene. And he said, it's not true that we have an over-hype on always pointing everything to cancer, heart disease, virus. You know? so, so the reality is these people who are dying at every flu season, most of them die, you know, 60,000 people died last flu season in the United States. Most of them died because of a pre-existing condition. You know, they have weakened immune systems um, mm-hmm. or they're elderly, which also is a function of the weakened immune systems. Those are, those are the three sets of people. So these are highly predictable set of people who are always die. The fact that the, the establishment is able to been pull off this big scam, which is to now label it as coronavirus, right? Bats, whatever, and then compel the entire world to shut down. I find it quite extraordinary. And it shows not the power of those in power, but actually the power of the not so obvious establishment, which I'm gonna be talking about later. It's not the ones in power did it, it's all those other nonprofits, the quote unquote liberal elite who supported this. You have a lot of these Hollywood celebrities who are actually supporting this. Yes, social isolation, flattening the curve. They've, they've gotten it down to two words, social, you know, uh, social distancing, flattening the curve, social distancing, flattening the curve. And you have very stupid people like Madonna, very stupid celebrities who jump on this and and so you can see in this way that it's not the powers that be which i've been exposing fauci the gates as these guys but it's the second level people who always have been manipulating people anyway the non-profits the people claim they want health right Uh, you know these very interesting liberal elite organizations 
the not so obvious establishment has also jumped on board. I'll give you an example. One of our volunteers for our campaign, I'm running for U.S. Senate, Shiva for Senate, people should go check it out. But one of our women volunteers, she's a fighter. She gets this whole vaccine mandate nonsense, right? And when, we, when I started exposing this, uh, there are people who've been involved in this movement, like Robert Kennedy Jr., okay? Mm-hmm. He's part of the not so obvious establishment. He talks again, but he supported Hillary Clinton. Think about that. Who is Miss Vaccine Queen? Who the Gates found? I mean, the Gates Foundation and the Clinton Foundation work very closely together, extremely close. They got about a hundred million dollars. So Bobby Kennedy will attack Gates because it's in vogue to attack him, but he won't attack Hillary Clinton. And in fact, he endorsed her three times. And he said, "Oh, she's against big pharma. She's against the medical establishment. She's for the environment." When she got money from Monsanto, when she got money from the Gates Foundation. So what? people need to wake up to is the way that we're going to win, be it fighting against a medical establishment, fighting for freedom, is not the obvious establishment, right? I mean, we're we're in the time of this Passover and and the resurrection of Christ. It wasn't the Romans who really, it was the Sadducees and the Pharisees and and Judas Judas who who, who screwed him with a kiss, right? Who sold him out. So it is a not so obvious establishment. The reason change doesn't occur in the medical community or in other fields is it's a not so obvious establishment. And so part of this is for us to step back and see how did we even get here? How the hell did we end up in a lockdown? And it it is those same people, think about all the quote unquote multiracial liberal aristocracy, the Obamas, the Bidens, right? The people Mm -hmm. who claim that they care for everyone, claim that they're against racism. They're the ones who are behind this. They love this. And in fact, when they're all about institutionalized racism, they've tested vaccines and medicines on poor white people, poor black people, poor dark people all over the world. But a lot of poor people, black and white. And when I speak racism, I'm not only talking about racism against people of color, but racism also against poor people. So those people have profited from this, uh, it, it, from this uh, model of a multiracial aristocracy, which basically is using this set of events to completely, completely consolidate power at at a deep level. Uh, In the medical establishment, right, you have people basically, what you're saying is demanding how doctors further operate. Doctors already have handcuffs. Now this is a way of further putting handcuffs on them because they know there's been a movement throughout this world for medical freedom. When we won in New Jersey, when we won that vaccine movement, it wasn't because of Bobby Kennedy, it wasn't because of this guy Big Tree, who had been prior to this movement, the not so obvious establishment. It was, I said, go on the ground and build a militant movement bottoms up. They don't want to hear that they, the establishment actually creates these little nonprofit guys who say, oh, we're going to sue for you. That's Bobby Kennedy's shtick. I'm going to sue for you in Big Pharma. So he talks, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Or let's go beg to legislators. Their, their, their advice has never been to go bottoms up. And maybe it's because I'm an untouchable kid from India who grew up with nothing, right? Or maybe it's because I was a working class kid in Jersey that I look at the world differently, but these are top-down guys. And those are the people we can't trust even though they, they speak the rhetoric of change. So that's something I think we need to understand that MDs coming together, it's not the AMA or some of their unions that are going to help. It has to be an independent, broad movement, what you're doing. You're going direct. You're decoupling yourself from the system. And you cannot trust anyone who's coupled to the system. You just can't. You know, a Kennedy 
The Kennedys have always, I keep using their name for one reason. The establishment creates who they think are the people who will be the leaders of the masses. Yeah. You follow? So they impose yeah. the will of certain people on people. And those people, in my view, are created to create the not so obvious establishment. I mean, well, if you I look think at, you're right. You see I mean, what I'm these saying? These are called influencers. They're influencers, saying, right? and they're the ones, and they believe they're the ones only who can be the leaders. So when I started exposing Bobby Kennedy as someone who's been involved in this movement for 17 years, supposedly for health freedom, when he endorsed Hillary Clinton three times, Elena, three times, and the people that get annoyed with me when I bring this up are not the working people who get it. They say, of course, she was saying the truth. It are these bourgeois liberals, bourgeois liberal women who do yoga and meditate, who said, yeah, my kid got injured. But when this crisis came, they all hid themselves away. And I was out there still with the people that fighting for this issue of medical freedom, fire Fauci, going vigorously against the WHO, the Clintons, etc. Finally, three days ago, Bobby Kennedy comes out. And the reason I'm bringing that up is this is why movements do not grow because the establishment literally has its people who talk a game and constrain people. And the way we're going to win is to break and decouple and go direct, like with this setup I have here, or what you have out of your office, right? Going direct mm -hmm. to people. Anyone who builds these nonprofit organizations, you know, and has 20, 30 assistants, you got to start suspecting them. Where is their money coming from? Many of these nonprofits have fundamentally uh, have, have destroyed movements. They exist to be funded by the establishment to derail movements. So I think when we're talking about MDs uniting and returning health, it's not gonna be the AMA that's gonna deliver this. In fact, it's not gonna be some egotistical doctors who belong to some organizations. It's gonna be people like you. It's gonna be people like who go direct and direct oh, start helping their patients and we come together. That's why one of the things I, I, I wanna do is we have nearly, like I said, close to 2,000 medical doctors who signed that petition, fire Fauci, quite extraordinary. We want to literally call them together on a conference and bring them all together and build this movement uh, where um, you know medical doctors start breaking ranks. And when MDs break ranks, then the nurses will break ranks, then the healthcare workers will break, break ranks. And so we need to have that taking place at a, at, at a fundamental level. And it doesn't even need to be a lot of people. It just needs to be a movement. And I hope no, to I support what you're doing by doing that. Oh, I absolutely agree. There's a groundswell of people who don't have a megaphone who are thinking the exact same thing we are. I mean, we want to just be able to take care of our patients. We want the middleman, the administrative, uh, you know, ball, or out of this, you know, out of the out of the doctor's office, away from the patient's bedside. They're literally picking winners and choosers and who lives and who dies. Well, we're the front of it. We're the face of healthcare. This is not how healthcare is being run. I can't just do what I'm supposed to do for my patient. I have to run through the gatekeeping of the insurance plan. They get to totally ignore my specialty recommendations for what I want to do, the, what's, you know, the, the, the reasoning behind doing a procedure. You, know, you have to have a reason for it medically. They could completely ignore that and just decide to, I'm going to cover it or I'm not. And I'm going to cover it in this part of the country, not this other part. I mean, they're really, it's just arbitrary. But they're in the process of practicing medicine and there's no overseeing for this. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure you, or maybe your listeners don't know, but 
an, an actual hospital, the average hospital, there's 16 to 1 administrator to doctor ratio. Wait, 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 stop right there, stop right there. You're saying for every one doctor, there's 16 administrators? On average. Wow. And they're all taking a cut and they're all gatekeeping and they're all deciding how the hospital can keep the money. And it's a complete, it's a cabal. So, so, so someone just wrote that here right on, they said, F the cabal. That's what someone just said. So, uh, so let me just go over that, what you just said. So you're saying that for every one doctor, there's 16 administrators. Yes? On average. By yes. the way, um, so big hospitals literally means for every one doctor, there's 16 administrators. This same phenomenon is occurring in universities. For, we were the last, see what I said at the beginning of the show, we're the last template. You know, it's a template. We're right. like the last uh, group of people or professionals that are being roped into that template. Right. I mean, when I went to I went to Princeton, it wasn't that expensive when I went. Now right. it's like forty thousand dollars. I think the tuition was eleven when I went. And I'm not that old. Right. But the I think the actual bottom line is the government insertion, right? Whoever's you know passing money through these organizations and these institutions, they just get bigger. They get less patient and less individual friendly, and they just basically exist to make themselves bigger. It's not for any other reason at all. Well, 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 they I think you're right, accumulating power. Well, they get bigger, but there's massive profit for the middle tier. There's a professor of mine, a friend of mine at MIT, who did an analysis of salaries at MIT. The, actually, the professor's salaries and graduate students have stayed flat. The administrators have gone up exponentially. So administrator salaries at big universities go up because what they do is they build their own little vertical fiefdoms. So they start a new program. Okay, we're going to do nanotechnology. So they hire a bunch of administrators, a couple of graduate students, and then they exist to go get funding because they're all operators. So they get go funding from government agencies and they run these institutions. So the entire process is really the whole, the, the China model, right? Top heavy. Well, so you, Dr. Shiva, let me stop because we got a hard break. Oh, okay. And I want you to pick that thought up in about a few minutes and yep. we'll be right back. You're listening to Living in the Solution. So to everyone listening here, we're with uh, Elena George. She's a physician, and I'm essentially doing multi-broadcast uh, live onto Twitter, onto Facebook, onto YouTube, and Instagram. And we're talking with a real physician here who is basically, her experience is matching this stuff that I've been talking about. This is not theory. The, from When you take a systems approach, what you find out is that theory actually matches practice, which means that what we're witnessing here is the big, big hospitals, big insurance, big academia, um, big medicine is essentially screwing over all of us. That's the bottom line. It's so simple. And this has been a, a process that's been going on now for over probably the, since 1970s, what I say with the inflection point really occurred when the, the pharma guys, the hospital guys uh, all got together to consolidate power. And same in academia with the passage of the Mansfield Amendment. So the huge opportunity we have is to recognize what we're witnessing right now with this crisis is all those forces uniting against everyday working people, all of them. And that's what's happening. They're uniting their forces against the MDs because the MDs are on the front lines, they're not getting support. They're uniting their forces against the elderly, against the immunocompromised, because they basically, and, and they're uniting their forces against every citizen on the planet, literally on the planet. 
we're all being socially isolated when it's and quote unquote for you know flattening the curve when we should have healthy people back work with some level of immune support to support the immune system we should have our mds also being supported with nutrition and support no one's telling them to take vitamin a or d uh, everything you know uh, everything is wait for the vaccine wait wait for the vaccine so this entire process is a total onslaught of big pharma big medicine the gates foundation and the big not so obvious establishment people who will bark at some of these people but they actually serve them which we'll talk about later but i think the opportunity right now is for people to wake up and the and and the more we wake up and the more we realize we have to go bottoms up it's got to be us we the people who do it the leadership has got to come from below not from above they will try to appoint their own leaders watch watch it they'll talk a good game you know but that's who we need to be watchful for and get tell them to get the hell out of the way it's got to be bottoms up I would, I would absolutely agree, and we're coming back. So welcome back to Medicine on Call. I'm sorry, to Living on the Solution with Dr. Shiva. You know, before the break, we were talking about the Chinese approach, and I think we need to really discuss that because, again, things are uncloaking. We're seeing how much China has been invested in our economy, in our supply chain, in our politicians. There's a problem with this. This is anti-American, in my opinion. I don't think anything should be centralized. It should be about the individual, about states' rights, about liberty. This is the antithesis of that. If they're going to try to open up the economy, and I've heard Dr. Fauci mention, I'm going to get your opinion on this, everybody basically has to test negative or have taken a vaccine before we can open the economy. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. What's your take on that? Well, look, the, the whole thing is based on, so, so the question is, what is my take on Fauci saying we're not going to open up the economy until everyone is tested? So just think about what this emperor Fauci is saying. He's a complete fascist. So let's go back to the science here. If you go back to the science, first of all, they're using, uh, either, let's say they do an antibody test or the uh, uh, polymerase, piece, uh, polymerase test, okay? This is where the science and everyone needs to understand it's based on fake science. Everyone in this, on this planet has probably some, coronaviruses are everywhere. Probably everyone on this planet has some remnant of a coronavirus, number one, okay? If you use a PCR DNA test, they're taking a little piece of a nucleotide that they're searching for. Well, that could come from any other virus. So you could easily get false positives, number one. Second, the issue is, that not every, there's, there's another system beyond the adaptive immune system. It's called the interferon system. And this is what people don't understand. Your body gets, it has the, the, uh, the innate immunity that can come through your innate immunity where it wards it off. But you also have the interferon system, which is a missing link between the, between the innate and the adaptive. When a pathogen comes into you, and this was recognized uh, by uh, Sachs and Lindemann in the 1950s, that when they gave a, a, a rabbit a particular virus, then the next, then that, that rabbit was also immune to a thousand other viruses, other viruses. So separate from the, the innate and the adaptive, there's a thing called the interferon system, which actually upregulates all these genes which protect you from other viruses. So just to say that you need the antibody, there, there's another mechanism have your body also develops immunity and strength whether you have the virus or not. So now you're gonna say that if you don't have the virus, which means I'm gonna vaccinate you, under the assumption that you need the vaccine to have Im immune protection, okay? 
This is a flawed science. So it's another hegemony of medicine. So let me repeat again. You're basically saying, I'm gonna test everyone. We can't shut down the economy until we test everyone, which is nonsense right there. Because this is under the flawed model that the immune system is a weak system that um, the virus is gonna go attack the immune system, that the virus attacks our tissues. It's not true. What truly happens is that it's a compromised immune system that goes and through a cytokine response, which is one way, attacks itself. That's the foundation of how disease is taking place. When the immune system goes wacky by its own dysfunction, right? So those people whose immune systems are dysfunctional, we need to support their immune systems and find ways to do that. And there's a set of ways we can do that. Those people who are healthy, they may be healthy without an antibody. That's my point. Right. So they're saying that your own, so that means every year we're all gonna be tested, which means money for the testing companies. Money, we're gonna force people to vaccine. And this is probably the most fascist thing that fascist Fauci wants to do. I'm so pissed off with this guy. This guy is the one who created the entire HIV AIDS scam. He built his entire career on the scam that HIV is a causes AIDS. Total nonsense. He killed a lot of people. AZT actually killed a lot of people. It's based on a fake science. There's a lot of people in Africa with HIV positive. They're absolutely fine. 30, 40, 50% in Zambia. We have all sorts of viruses in ourselves. But the thesis that HIV or a particular virus kills you, that you don't have other subsystems in your body to protect you, strong microbiome, right? Other subsystems, this is a fake science. And the entire basis of this movement of the deep state is based on fake science and you have very stupid politicians, lawyers and lobbyists, they don't understand it. So everyone's being taken advantage of. And the academics will not speak about this because they owe, they owe, as you know, as we talked about, they're the academic establishment. They owe their research dollars to people like Fauci. We know how this all works, right? But those of us in academia, one or two people, one phone call, whisper campaign, they can destroy someone's life completely. And that's how they operate. They do whisper campaigns, whispering here and there. So Fauci, through a few whisper campaigns, can destroy academics' life. So no one will say anything knowing that the entire foundation of what they're articulating about the immune system is just false. It's a lie. It's a total, total lie. And that's where all of this is coming from. It's coming from imposing a hoax, which is, I'm not talking the virus doesn't exist, but the fear-mongering based on fake science to impose, to destroy the economy, mandate medicine, and, and, and destroy dissent. Well, this is a model that the Chinese follow. We're basically, we're basically exporting to this country made in China, to the United States at all levels. Consolidation of the scientific establishment, consolidation of the medical establishment, consolidation of every establishment. So you can have a few people, and then they all work together, so now you're creating a frictionless model for them yeah. to make to exponentially make even more money. That's what's fundamentally going on. I mean, this whole, you just really laid it out very clearly about this grid that they're trying to lock down on all of us. Triangulate, that's what they're trying to do. Their, triangula their triangulation is a triangulation of power, profit, and control. Our triangulation is the opposite, which I've been trying to get across, which I think people are, are really getting it because people, already knew this, is truth, freedom, and health. We want truth, freedom, and health. They want the opposite of truth, freedom, and health. The opposite of freedom is censorship, control of speech, 
stopping open debate from taking place because then you can make everything be scientific consensus. It's a consensus that HIV causes AIDS. It's a consensus that you know viruses kill. It's a consensus that everything in the world is a function of viruses, right? No, it's a consensus or, that there's global warming. It's a but consensus again, there's you, global warming, exactly. You and I are scientists, so you can make a conclusion based on your numbers and how you right. ask your question and what people you get rid of out of your sample. This is not end-all, be-all. You can couch it any way you want. I understand now that Bill Gates is running uh, a research uh, project on hydrochloroquine. I can guarantee you he's going to find that it doesn't work. Exactly. I, yeah. So, so, if you, <laughs> I mean, so you, you brought up something very interesting. The people who are supporting the infectious disease model to vaccinate everyone in the world are the same people who also support the bogus quote-unquote climate change. Look, you brought up something very important. In science, what we need to understand is it's how much. How much? This is a fun, let, let me explain. In science, when you practice science, we will all agree that climate change, yes, there is climate change. Climate is always changing. Climate will always change. We can <laughs> yeah. always also agree there are things called greenhouse gases. We can also agree greenhouse gases can increase temperature, can. We can also agree CO2 is a greenhouse gas. None of this anyone will refute. But this is where the lies come in. This is where the snake oil salesmen come in. This is where the bullshit takes place, excuse my language, okay? But it, it, it's so nonsensical is they don't want to talk about how much. How much will CO2 increase the temperature, right? The issue is how much and that takes science. So in the world of climate change, you will find that the pro-vaccine people, vaccinate everyone, are the same people who are pro-climate. Both of them. And if they're not in this or this, they're basically the not so obvious establishment. You'll find people who are, oh, I don't believe in climate change, but they're pro-vaccine. Vaccinate everyone, I mean. And you'll find the people who are against vaccines, but they're pro-climate change. And you'll find out that this is the other half of the not so obvious establishment. It's a very interesting dynamic. Um, you find this, I keep bringing this guy, Bobby Kennedy is part of that. He, he was with Jane Fonda, oh yeah, the climate change nonsense. Yet he claims he's anti-vaccine, but he endorsed Hillary Clinton three times. So this is what everyone needs to wake up to, that it's science or not science. There's real science or there's fake science. So when it comes to real science, you have to ask a question, you have to gather data, and then you have to see if your, gather, if your data matches the reality. What they've done is with the data gathering, no one even has access to the data. You know, I'm running for Senate, um, as I mentioned to you, and there are three things that I'm proposing to support truth, freedom, and health. Number one, we need to have a Digital Rights Act. It's right up on our website, Shiva for Senate. And what I say is what we need to do is, the Postal Service, by the way, is going out of business. This is fascinating to watch at this time. The Postal Service was the commons that was created by the founders so we could have free communication. A lot of people don't understand this. The Postal Service was created so we could have free communication. I have been talking to them for over probably the last 24 years, that when email volume overthrew postal mail volume, they should have stepped into the postal. They should have stepped into email too, because they're not supposed to be just in the postal mail. When Franklin created them, the goal was they would enable that you and I to have free press. I could send you a communication for pennies and you could re re reply back. And the postal service created what was known 
as the police force, which means if I send you a communication, no one can intervene with that. It's a 20 year sentence in prison. Now, when email came in 1997 as a creator of email, um, what I went to them and said, look, you guys need to actually offer a public email service in 1997 because email volume overtook postal mail volume and we had all these free email services. My concern was these free email services, we would lose our freedom because Hotmail and Google Mail and all these mail systems, if you read it, they own your email. So I said the Postal Service should offer a public mail service. I believe people pay 50 bucks. In fact, public, YouTube, Facebook, etc., just like they do physical mail. And that would ensure our digital rights because when you do that, no one can interfere. It'd be a 20 year sentence in prison. Forget encryption and all this. You do one level of encryption, someone can break it. We need laws that protect us. So that was not done, and th but that is one of the things I'm proposing for digital rights. That's how we get to freedom. All of us can communicate in the commons, which is owned a network by the people for the people. The second thing is in order to get to truth, we need to completely destroy the academic establishment and devolve power back to the edges. We need to have citizen science, a citizen science act. What that means is that when we fund public research and they're doing research for using our tax dollars, that data is mine and yours. It should go up on the cloud. I wanna see all this climate data. Where I, I don't know what the satellite data is because the reality is when you look at those climate change models, there are 40 different predictions for how much ice will melt on the Arctic ice, zero to 100% everything in between. That's not evidence. Evidence is unambiguous predictions. That's the definition of evidence in science unambiguous predictions. When you say F equals MA, if acceleration is two and mass is three, I can tell you the force is gonna be, you know, six newtons, okay? It's not gonna be six one day and 20 another day and 50, it's gonna be six. That's called science. So when you have unambiguous predictions, that's not science. The whole thing, and Al Gore, who barely, you know, was thrown out of school, his mama and papa had to help him, and Bill Gates, whose mama and papa had to help him, but he can be cheeky being a, you know, uh, being a dropout out of Harvard, that's cool, right? Uh, th that's this way the system works, right? It's an insider trading game. So citizen science. The last piece is in order to protect health is what we've been talking about, a health rights act. We need to devolve power out, of, eliminate all these middlemen. All the middlemen in the healthcare system must be destroyed. The GPOs, the PBMs, the hospital administrators, they're all ruthless exploiters. They all need to get out of the way. We need to allow healers to do healing, you know, the frontline people to be frontline people and patients and doctors to rebuild that. So part of that, Elena, you may know, I built a whole parallel way to actually understand the body as a system. And that okay. resulted in my discovery that the traditional systems of medicine were actually engineering systems approaches. And I built a, I wrote a paper on it, offered a course on it, and I've actually built a way in 15 hours I could essentially train anyone in a way to understand systems. It's called Systems Health. And we've made it so affordable that anyone can go learn it online, but it's a way to understand all systems. And if people can't afford it, we'll give it to them, okay? But the point is that there's a different way to approach the body as a system. There's a different language. And that language has been used by people for centuries. Um, if people go, uh, at, 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 at your podcast viewers, if people have a chance, they can go to this university we built online, you know, called Systems Health, and you can take these series of six video courses, and you can actually understand the principles of engineering systems, match one to one with the same principles 
of traditional medicines. But that can really be very valuable to an MD like yourself. But it can also be valuable to the alternative care practitioners because right now, the chiropractor and the yoga teacher, they don't think they're understood by the MD. And the MDs think they're talking woo-woo language. But there's a way to interconnect them at the bottom line, but also a different way to see the body as a system beyond the organ-based model. So we have a huge opportunity for a revolutionary move in this world. And I find myself in a very interesting position because this has been my life journey since I was a four-year-old kid, you know, having gone through working at a uh, medical school since I was 14, you know, creating the first email system. By the way, email, as we've talked about, was created by a kid in Newark, New Jersey. And it's an important story because it talks to the fact that email came out of a health sciences institution, not out of war. And this really bugs these guys because they, after my stuff went to the Smithsonian, they had to try to demolish that truth because it, tr it shows that innovation comes out of health, Innov you know, seeking health, not out of war. They've also brainwashed us that all good things must come out of the military industrial academic complex. That's why the invention of email is so powerful because it came out of a health sciences institution. And it, it speaks to this larger piece that health is going to come from the edges, from doctors delivering healthcare, you know? I put out a, an interesting note, you know, uh, uh, there was a revolutionary uh, by the name of Che Guevara, okay? You know, Che broke with the Cubans. You may study him. He was an interesting fellow, but he was ultimately a medical doctor. And he, he, when, and he built a movement by going among the peasants and offering them healthcare. Direct, because the Batista fascist government wasn't. Now, now the point is, the, the notion of revolutionary doctors, revolutionary scientists, uh, is something that's relatively new. Because scientists and doctors are, are told that they're better than the average person that they should be selling out. But I think the movement of uh, breaking up this establishment model, the pyramid of medicine, the pyramid of academia, is going to be very powerful to delivering freedom, truth, freedom, and health for many, many people. Well, you know, I, I want to stop you there because there's actually a whole show that I've done on health edu on medical education, which was really eye-opening. I'm of the old school where the Hippocratic Oath was what Do I no took harm. when I graduated. They yeah. don't necessarily take the Hippocratic Oath, and I was taught, and I oath in my oath, you can't um, kill people, you can't do euthanasia, you can't perform abortion. So the sanctity of life was really very important. That's not what's going on now. It's about um, a group approach, a teamwork approach, where it's all about the hospital being kind of the important piece and making sure that it stays viable. You know, that therefore, if someone is senior, they have multiple medical problems, you should make them comfortable. And this is how the Affordable Care Act is rolled out. It is this on steroids. We're now getting paid as physicians to talk about end-of-life decisions, but not for doing hip replacements or helping somebody who can benefit from the help. And that same mentality is pervading our medical schools. They don't really have an, a, a facility with the patient care and the empathy. It's about numbers, and I think that suits their purpose. And there are whole groups of, of students, it's about, you know, you know the... I guess the, I want to say, it's hard to put it, but it's all about race, it's about um, putting people in boxes, it's not about the individual, it's about population-based medicine, that's a WHO approach. Right. And if you can look at someone as a number, 
then the good of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And if you're an outlier, then oh well. That's their attitude, and that's how the system is coming online. People need to understand that. They don't care about you. They don't care about me as a physician. And before the show, we were talking about what it's like for doctors now, and I think you're absolutely right. We now are at a crossroads, even from the practitioner standpoint. We used to be 60% of the doctors practicing, independent doctors, on our own, not being paid by a hospital. We're now down to 30%. And I put a call out You mean out there's to only 30% colleagues. of doctors who are practicing on their own now? Correct. Right. So I'm putting a call out to my colleagues who, who thought that, oh, you know, I can't do it on my own. I can't keep a practice afloat. I need to run to the arms of a, of a hospital to help me, give me a salary. I got a wake-up call for you guys because we're getting furloughed. I've heard of people being fired because they want to put a mask on to protect themselves. The hospital could care less. You are grist for the mill and a means to make money. And now the patients are in the same boat that we are. Yeah, now that's that. can both see who the problem is. It's not the doctor. They kept saying, we're the ones charging all the money. No, we're not. We're barely making ends meet. Most people are having issues making mortgage, right? This is, this is what's happened to the health profession. It's been outsourced to it's, it's very Wall interesting. Street. Yep. everybody else it's very interesting you say that a friend of mine in another industry is a pilot do you remember in the old days in the 70s uh, yeah. it was like a very prestigious field to be a pilot you know well he was saying he makes about twenty to thirty thousand dollars it's a pilot he wow. said he can barely survive he has to do so many flights all of these industries are, have become consolidated at a very high level and the people who are making all the money are the administrators the bean counters where everything has become numerical. And the idea is, in that model, is all of us become automatons, a unit of production on a very complex system. But in that complexity, the goal is, so we, we stay in, you know, in check, the goal is to keep us controlled. Observability and controllability. So that requires massive amount of psychological control, which is suppress all type of dissension. And when you look at how we got to this coronavirus, literally, literally, people need to understand, you know, a few months before this, Hong Kong was blowing up. Massive protests in South Africa, massive protests in uh, France, massive protests um, in Venezuela. You know, two populist pre uh, uh, leaders get elected, Trump and Modi in India. So these kinds of upward, you know, populism from below really troubles these people. And the, the response was what we're seeing right here. And that's why this is global. This is not national anymore. This is a global elite trying to see how much they can control. And I think it's time that people uh, rise up, bottoms up, and be very careful who their leaders are, who we choose to lead these movements. If you look at the civil rights movement, and all these movements would occur, it's always was sold out in the last minute. Even the movement in India, all these movements. In the civil rights movement, there were people who were rising up, bottoms up. And we're going to talk about this later today. And what happened to those movements? You had the Kennedys come in and they selected their leader, Martin Luther King. He was acceptable. I don't know Malcolm X's book here. Malcolm X wasn't. Okay? He wasn't the anointed one. So they actually choose their leaders who will talk the shtick and they will continue suffering for another 100, 200, 300 years. So in the civil rights movement, we never built infrastructure for poor people in inner cities, never. We threw them a bone called affirmative action. 
We never fundamentally delivered infrastructure. So the condition of poor whites and poor blacks in this country, poor veterans, is worse today than it was before civil rights. That's what the actual condition is. Because we were sold out by the people who gave some good speeches and talked some rhetoric. But we also have divide and conquer. Right. So, you know, they've been masterful at making us look at each other as different. We're all in the same boat, actually. Exactly. We all want the same thing. Exactly. Which is to be left alone to pursue our God-given rights and talents. It doesn't, rights don't come from the government. They come from God. Right. And I think it's, we all need to figure that out and actually take our power back. I mean, I wrote a whole book about our healthcare system, and it's funny, it's called Big Medicine, The Cost of Corporate Control and How Doctors and Patients Working Together Can We Build a Better System? Because I figured this out pretty quickly. If we withdraw our consent from the system, one, stay healthy, two, make sure that you're going to a doctor who, who is in sync with you. Not someone who's gonna take seven minutes and kick you out the door, but someone who actually will know you and when you decide, I don't want to take a medication, I want to fix it, work alongside you to do it, that's how you break the system. And I have colleagues who have independent practices, surgery centers, who've cut the middlemen out. It's all price transparency, it's all the vogue now, but we've been doing it for 10, 15 years, where you know what the price is before we do anything. Our patients now have now awakened, because we, we couldn't get that to, I don't think people understood it, but now I think they do. You have a choice. Stop paying more for what for what's what they're giving you. Stop taking less and accepting the basic, you know, the bare minimum. Why on earth are you uh, asking for less than what you would give to a loved one? I mean, that's my, my thing. If my parents so, so, can't so, 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 way or talk to me, so let's talk way, about why that's can. occurred. Let's talk about why that's occurred. So the issue here is: Do people take control of their own lives? Or do people outsource their future to somebody, right? That's the, that's so, the choice. But, but think about what's happened in this. Obamacare, a black man, okay, was brought in by the establishment as though he cared for the people with hope, some good marketing. What he mm. did was actually sell out people, big time. The Affordable Care Act was actually consolidation of power by big insurance. It was consolidation of power by big hospitals and big pharma. But it was brought to you by a black man. Right, it's true. by a, by an Uncle Tom, frankly, by a not so obvious establishment. Right, Dr. Shiva, I have to end my show, but I can continue on yours. But for my listeners, I want to thank you for listening to Living the Solution, and you need to follow Dr. Shiva. Dr. Shiva, what's the best way that people can? Follow everyone can go to if they want my videos. They can, if they want, everyone listening should support our campaign, ShivaForSenate.com. We're running in Massachusetts. You know, on, on a very powerful campaign for truth, freedom, and health. Oops, I lost you here. Let me come back here. Uh, one second, someone called me. And where are you? Where did you go? <laughs> I can hear you. Okay, there you are. Um, so, shiva4senate.com. Everyone should go there. Uh, by the way, when people support our campaign, I'm actually training people as part of the campaign. They get a book called System and Revolution. And they also get... A, a, a tool that I created that helps them teach them how their body is a system and um, if, I think if, if they can't afford it donate whatever they can it's up there they should go look at it the other thing is vashiva.com v is in victor a shiva.com or if they want to see all the videos I've been putting they can go to truthfreedomhealth.com truthfreedomhealth.com so anyway I have to take a I think we're gonna to have to end too because I have to take another call but we can close this uh, with some summary to people out there. But if you need to end there, that's that's cool. 
It's well, perfect I'd timing. love to have you back on, and yeah. I'd love to talk with your listeners down the road. We just scratched the surface, but I think we now yep. have a plan to fix this, and it comes from us, it not yeah. somebody else. Yeah, I, I think the key takeaway here, I know you're ending your podcast, but the key takeaway to everyone listening is that do we as a people want to rise up from below, or are we going to outsource our stuff to some guy imposed on us, typically a lawyer, a some not so obvious, be it an Obama or the Kennedys or someone else? Or are we going to look, listen from bottoms up? And the day we do that and we take responsibility for our lives, then we're not going to be slaves. But if we're willing to only see crumbs, which is what they want, they want to throw us crumbs. So when the vaccine mandate issue is going on, right? Oh, just try to get rid of religious exemptions. It's nonsense. The whole vaccine mandate issue from end to end should go away, which was started by John Kennedy, which was then we created the vaccine injury courts by Ted Kennedy. Right? So think about it. As though the Kennedys create the problem, only the Kennedys can solve it. As though the Affordable Health Care Act can only be solved by Obama, right? Someone from out of Harvard Law School, etc. So we have given away our rights to this top-down model from liberal elites, global elites, who always put it in a nice way as though they want to help the dark matter in the universe. And I mean dark matter meaning all the forgotten people. Dark, poor, black, white, everyone. So that's what they've done. They've created a world that they are going to be our saviors, the Bill Gateses, the Hillary Clintons, the Zuckerbergs. And we need to smash and tell them to get the hell out of our way because this is a, a, an opportunity for we the people to take back our control. But this is really our problem. We should recognize, do we want health for ourselves or do we want to get, outsource our health? Now, those people want to outsource their health. Great, do that. But don't get my way when I want to insource my own health. I anyway, agree. thank you very much to people out thank there. You. Let me see if there's any questions that we have, but I think it, it was good. I got to take this other call. Uh, okay. But everyone, thank you very much. Thank you. Let's keep it up again, Elena. We'll, we'll be back. But essentially, MD should unite. We got to return health, and the unity should come from basically wanting to destroy this establishment, which has cares a, doesn't give a damn about the doctors, doesn't give a damn about the frontline medical workers, and for that matter, doesn't give a damn about you and me. Period. They don't even care. They don't even care about their own. They no, care they about perpetuating their power, profit, and control. That's why they're selling ventilators. They're not forgetting, why not give IV vitamin C to these people? You're literally blowing up their lungs. It's about ventilator sales. Is it okay if I give people how to contact me? Yes, yes, please do so. Um, you can reach me on my, my website, Dr. Elena, E-L-A-I-N-A, drelenageorge.com, and my blogs and my podcasts and the book are all linked on that Except, side. So Dr. Elena George. George.com. Uh -huh. And so here we have a medical doctor who is who actually has broken ranks, which is awesome. And Elena, we should talk about hosting, and everyone listening, um, uh, let me just give a little uh, beforehand, everyone should go to uh, Shiva for Senate, you know, make sure you are going up there, taking advantage of the tools that we're giving you when you, you support the campaign. Um, you get tools to understand your body as a system. We have this thing for 25 bucks, but if you can't afford that as hard times, donate whatever you can. And if anyone can't even afford five bucks, write to me, I'll figure out a way to get it to you for nothing, okay? We don't wanna stop anyone from not having access. Those people who are out of the country can go to your body, your system directly. And everyone, if you know friends out there who um, want, want me to win, want us to win, because having one senator in Massachusetts from Massachusetts win, someone like me who will fight for you will be very valuable for us. So there's a thing here called Get Dr. Shiva on the Ballot. 
It's right on the front page. And if you scroll down, tell your friends in Massachusetts to simply click here and we will send them out the actual paperwork so they can fill it and send it back. It's quite a, quite a bit of money for us. It's almost four to five bucks to do one of these. But that's the only way we can get on the ballot because we can't collect signatures here anymore because of what the deep state has done here. The deep state wants to keep the incumbents in. They don't want us to. So this, this coronavirus fear-mongering hoax is serving so many ways to consolidate power, to consolidate control, to consolidate profit, and to make sure people don't rise up. That's why we have to go after them hard. Anyway, thank you, everyone. Be the light. Be well.